Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hi there, you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it. Thank you very much for downloading. Just myself and Lindsay Hooper. It is me, Amy McQueen, because Kate Borsay, well, she's on another holiday, isn't she? She's loving them this year. And we're hardly ever as a three. We've had like one podcast as a three this year. Our New Year's resolution, by the way, folks, because we are getting to that time of the year, is going to be that we'll try and get together more often in 2017, won't we? And have a few extra special guests as well. But today, we're busy working women and we're basically squeezing this in between (laughs) jobs. I've just finished a job. Lindsay's about to start hers. So this 30 minutes or so podcast you're going to listen to, it's the only spare time we have between us in a whole week. And I'm very busy getting my Halloween outfit ready for the weekend. So that's another job, isn't it? It is. And I look forward to this every year. Hayley goes big on Halloween, on fancy dress. I always get a few little snippets, some mm-hmm. pictures, some mm-hmm. ideas that you're putting together. Was it the Vampire Bride thing that you did last year? Yeah, yeah we did. I did do that. I went to two parties. The other, we went as um, Dead Disney. So oh, me and my yeah, girlfriends went as Disney characters. But So I went as Elsa from Frozen, but Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the imagination of effort you put into this. It's a big deal in the McQueen household, Halloween. Um, I'm doing... Nothing. Oh, let's <laughs> come to the. There's a spare ticket for is my it? party on Friday night. If you fancy coming, the only thing is you have to come as Britney Spears. Okay. So it's Britney Speared is the theme. That's what we've done this year. So come along if you fancy. And if you're listening to the podcast, I don't know. Why don't you tweet us? You dressed up for Halloween. I've not used my red PVC jumpsuit for a while. Yeah. So yeah, I might. Definitely. I might come along. Well, this party we're going to. It's kind of a bit weird. There's a guy called Azim who is. He's a celebrity booker. Now I'm no. I'm not a celebrity. I think. It's his birthday round about Halloween as well. So he has these big parties. Lots of regular people go, but sometimes you get a few celebrities, you see, and it's great because you're dressed up so nobody knows who you are. So one year, a couple of the boys from One Direction were there, but the only problem was they actually went as the Real Madrid team, but dead, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So little po- Harry had a little ponytail. There was like Ramos and Gooty. It was round about then. So there you go. I wish you were doing a football theme. Yeah, I know. Me too. That would be fun. If I went, I'd go as Sue Smith. Oh, yeah. From the podcast. Yeah. yeah. You would suit the hair. You can go for anything with that hair. Anyway, we're going to have a bit of a Halloween theme, we thought, on this podcast. After the horror show at Stamford Bridge. Mm. Yeah, we thought we'd look back at some other big shockers of the season so far. Now, we love a good quiz as well, don't we, Linz? Yeah, you do. It's a a cosy autumn winter right now. Those nights draw in, you head down to the pub, you want to get involved in a quiz. And we thought we'd do a bit of a half-term report as well, you see, by rounding up some of the stats and facts and fun things that have happened in the season so far can be in any league around the world. I've kind of stuck to the Premier League because that's my forte. Uh, But yeah, things that have happened so far in football this season. So we're going to have a quick fire quiz. You can join in as well. You'll be shouting at us uh, through your phone or your radio, wherever you happen to be listening. Um, So it'll help us refresh the memory. Some of it is a bit random as well. And we're going to stay on the Halloween theme because why not? We're going to milk it. Who has been spooked in football? This was your topic, wasn't it, Lindsay? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of bizarre goings-on, things Mm. spooky goings-on in football so it can be anything but a bit a bit like Mourinho at the end of the game at Stamford Bridge I have to ask you about this because as a United fan what on earth did you make of that performance the result the Mourinho bashing at the end Mm -hmm. 
we all saw the vines as well. We were putting them out on Offside Rule Pod on Twitter as well of him clutching his head in his face, going on the floor, sort of like in a paddy tantrum style way. This isn't a good sign, is it? It's not. However, I have a slightly different take on on the post-match Conte thing. So we know he's mega animated. That's fine. He was up and down the touchdown. Even when they were 4-0 up, he was still, yeah, get forward, get forward. He was very much geeing up his players, not necessarily the crowd. Now, I think the reason he lifted his arms up to gesticulate to the crowd to cheer was because when I was sat in the away end in the shed end, which is kind of weird Mm. for the shed ends to have away fans anyway that's just another issue I have in football you wouldn't have that at the cop end would you or at the Stretford end and Man United but anyway yeah so at Chelsea I was in the the lower bit so if you stood up you couldn't see the goal because you just had the roof of the upper tier but I was sat down at the back had a few mates down from Manchester so we had the cheap tickets but it's fine it's nice to do football proper sometimes even at 4-0 the United fans, many of them did stay in the stadium and just cheered. What what else can you do? You know when you've fallen over and you're embarrassed, but you just get up and pretend it hasn't happened. It was almost a bit like that. And I think because the United fans were so vocal, obviously devastated, humiliated, having the long trip back up the M6. I had friends who didn't get back till one in the morning. It was a total disaster. Uh, Mourinho's interpretation of disaster, slightly different from the fans' interpretation. And I think Conte was like, look, these United fans are so vocal. We're winning 4-0 we should be making more noise than that and obviously G'd them up which Mourinho didn't like and I can understand why he didn't like it but anyway Overall though it was a horror show It was awful it was absolutely and I was feeling fairly confident going into that good defensive display against Liverpool I know it wasn't the most exciting of games I was hoping for a bit more of a thrilling game I went to um, a cup game at Stamford Bridge where United lost really badly a few seasons ago so whenever I tend to go in fact I've been to Stamford Bridge four times and I've never seen United win Maybe you need to keep away. I do. Maybe that's the spooky going on. Yeah. I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to the Offside Rule. Right. Let's get on with the first topic then. Some of the shockers of the season so far, Lindsay Hooper. Yeah, there have been quite a few. When you look at results up and down the leagues, there have been some stinkers, some horror shows. Uh, We'll continue with that theme. I'm going to talk about the team that I'm covering this weekend, actually. Um, Reading. I'm going to see Reading play Nottingham Forest on Saturday, uh, covering that for the BBC. Now, although Reading, if you look in the table, look okay. Eighth in the table at the moment as we record this podcast. Yap Stam at the helm. Quite good to have a new manager, new ideas. But they are one of few teams in the championship that have already conceded four goals twice this season. So they did so against Brentford and they also did so against Newcastle. So eight goals conceded in two matches. They don't want any more goals conceded. So that they're going to have to try and really tighten up. I'm going to mention them. I'm also going to mention, we've already said about Sue Smith and me saying that I would take her on for Halloween if, um, if we had a women's football theme to it. I'm going to talk about her team, Donny Bells, Doncaster Bells, because in the WSL, it's been the definition of a horror show. Oh, dun, dun, dun. I didn't know this. Well, they got relegated after 14 defeats in 14 games. And there were still two matches to play in the WSL season for this season. And they got relegated already. Yeah. Emma Coates, the manager. Now, the club chair has since come out, Faye Ligo, and said, you know what? Perhaps we over-anticipated how good we'd be in WSL 1. Maybe we underestimated the standard of WSL 1. But 
these results are just awful reading and you just can't take it back in history. Any Donny Bells fans will go back in time and see that Donny Bells lost 5-0 to Arsenal ladies. They lost 4-1 to Reading women. They lost 4-1 to Sunderland ladies. They were beaten 4-0 by Manchester City women and they were beaten 4-0 by Chelsea ladies. That's just a few of the results. But they're letting in handfuls of goals, four or five goals each time. It was an awful season all round, one that they just want to forget. They have been relegated and now they'll have to just start over to try and get back into WSL 1 and improve on those results and those statistics. Well, what about Hull winning a game? And what about Hull at the beginning of the season? It was a shock at the time, wasn't it, when they beat Leicester? But considering what's happened since then, I think you look back and think it was even more of a shock that they managed to get anything out of the game. It was Leicester beginning their defence of the Premier League title. It was a newly promoted side. They were managerless, relegation favourites. Diamande scored on that day, actually scored again. They got that cup win, didn't they? So hopefully that will help give Mike Feel inside a bit of a boost. They are shipping goals for fun but I think one of the biggest shockers that we didn't expect was uh, not only that Leicester defeat but how Leicester have gone on after that they are just not the same Leicester as last season now I know they were never going to be challenging for the title probably not even for the top four either they've done brilliantly in the Champions League I'm really enjoying Mm. watching their um, journeys there and there's a massive Leicester fan at work and he takes a couple of days off when he gets to travel to Europe and he's just he's he's living it he's living the dream and their unbeaten record at home of course continues but this away defeat to Hull was probably one of the biggest shocks of the opening weekend games. And another shock involving Hull, that 6-1 defeat to Bournemouth. And another shock for me, how well Junior Stanislas is playing this season. Um, Because last season, I remember interviewing him and he was hardly getting a look in in the starting 11 at Bournemouth. He wasn't really that in favour with Eddie Howe, even though he had been working hard and he was a really level-headed guy and gave such a frank interview. It's great to see him really relishing playing football again. And and, um, I mean, he was had a hand in all three of the first half goals in that game. And you can't lose a game in the Premier League 6-1. It's just not what you want to do. And, and for Bournemouth as well, that was a record Premier League victory. So that was yeah. a huge shock all round. And who'd have thought when you look at where Liverpool are right now that uh, you look back and think, well, they lost 2-0 to Burnley. They didn't manage to score and they conceded to, and they lost to Burnley. And if you're challenging for the title, you need to be beating sides like Burnley. Right, biggest shock, heaviest defeat ever in Europe for Celtic. Barcelona 7, Celtic nil, And a Lionel Messi hat-trick as well. My goodness. Yeah, I don't think anyone predicted that, particularly with Celtic being in pretty good form. However, Barcelona had a shock of their own coming into this game. They had just suffered defeat at home to newly promoted side Alaves. So this was kind of their, oh, that was just a blip. We're absolutely back on track. Um, But yeah, I think um, Barcelona being defeated to a newly promoted side just not good enough. Um, as to Real Madrid, they're having a bit of a shocker at the moment. Four draws in a row off the back of uh, quite a good start mm. to the season. So four draws in all competitions. Villarreal, Las Palmas, uh, Borussia Dortmund and Ibar. So I don't know what's going on there. I ran this off by mentioning QPR very briefly because we're recording from around the corner of Loftus Road. And in the Championship, they have to go down as one of the worst results of the season so far. Newcastle beating them 6-0. It was quite an early result in the first few weeks, wasn't it? So 6-0, a defeat for QPR has to be um, a bit of a shock for them because a few seasons ago, of course, they were in the Premier League and the Dizzy Heights. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love the Offside Rule podcast. 
Right, Linz, we're on to our quiz, so please feel free to play along at home. I will say I only knew one of the answers to these questions. The rest, it's just take your pick, have a bit of a guess. Okay. Okay. Well, this bodes well because I have no idea what's coming now. Okay. Okay. Should we go two at a time? Yeah, go on then. Okay. Right. Who currently has the most crosses in the Premier League? Ooh, crosses. Quite far ahead as well. I mean, you think about assists and you think about someone like Meza Ozil. He's English. Is it Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? Some... No. No. I could see why you would say that. Well, third on the list is Dusan Tajic mm-hmm. of Southampton with 61. Tied with him, Dimitri Payet of West Ham. Yes. And Ross Townsend <gasps> with oh. 76, yeah. which is quite a lot. You know, it's quite, that's quite high. That is quite high. What about the most shots in the Premier League. Now, he can't quite seem to convert them, but he has had the most shots. It must be Theo Walcott, had it not? I mean, he's had so many shots that were... I mean, in the in the game alone that I saw, the nil-nil with Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. he, had, he had so many shots mm. on target. You're close. He's actually third on the list with 32. Second is Coutinho. OK. Aguero comes fourth on the list with 31, so just one behind Theo Walcott. Costa? Think Man United. He's had plenty of chances. Uh, Ibrahimovic. Yes. So he just can't seem to score. So he's up there with 43. So that's that's quite a way ahead of Coutinho on 37. There you go. Continuing with our first theme that we had in the podcast, horror shows, and Mourinho being the inspirer of that by having that defeat at Stamford Bridge. I'm thinking about his other worst defeats. Now, his worst five defeats. Can you name any of them? That being one of them, so there are four others. If you can name any of the others, I'd be impressed. Well, two, I'd be very impressed. I would probably say Real Madrid being defeated by Barcelona. Yes, so that yes. was in November 2010, 5-0. Yeah. I do remember it being, well, I think I'd read the stats actually since the United game. Oh, I think I remember before when he was looking at his heavy defeats and uh, losing to Barcelona was pretty crushing. They'd actually come off the back of a seven-game winning streak in the Liga as well. So you, you thought that it was a shoe-in that they were going to have a tight game. Um and it was, it was in front of a record crowd. I think it was something like 100,000 spectators. Wow. Um, wow. It was Barcelona's biggest win in El Clasico oh. since 93-94 in oh, 2010. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, that was one of them. As Chelsea manager, he didn't suffer very heavy defeats when he was there. I mean, he wasn't beaten that often, was he? But could it have been a bit of a surprise? Like Sunderland? Were they beaten by Sunderland? Well, they were beaten by Sunderland. That's not on the top five. Mm. But a team not too far from there who you know very well. Oh, Middlesbrough. Yeah, the 3-0 defeat to Middlesbrough. I forgot about that. Of course I should remember that. Yes. February 2006, Yakubu. Do you remember that solo goal? It was fantastic. Ayugabeni Yakubu. And and prior to the game, Chelsea had only conceded 13 goals all that season and then they conceded three. So although it wasn't a a handful of goals, it was a lot at the time. It was 10 years ago. It was quite some time ago. But yes, I do remember. Middlesbrough kind of do that. They've beaten Manchester City on a few occasions. They were Man United's bogey team for quite some time, even when they had Ronaldo playing Mm. for them. Anyway. Anyone playing along with that and wants the other two? Mm. One of them was in the Champions League. So Brissett Dortmund, do you remember when they beat them 4-1? That was 2013 Champions League. And everyone thought it was going to be an all-Spanish final at Wembley yes. and neither Barcelona or Real Madrid made it it was Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich and it was all about Robert Lewandowski wasn't it in that game he scored all four goals in that match and then the other one being um, when Man City beat Chelsea 3-0 that's only only 2015 it was like in the August 2015 but Mourinho admitted one of the only times he has that they were outplayed oh well there you go 
Okay, talk about playing well. What was unique about Jordan Shakiri's two goals for Stoke? Did he score them with his unnatural foot? No. No. <laughs> Look at me taking a stab in the dark. I just thought he looked like he'd... Um, he's quite ambidextrous, though, isn't mm. he, with his feet? Well, they were quick goals. Is it something to do with that? Mm-mm. No. I don't think Stoke have had many players that have scored twice in a, in a first half. That could well be true, but people have done it before. Players have done it before for Stoke. But it was about the way that both goals were scored. It was obviously against Hull. It was a, a 2-0 win. He was actually the first player ever to score outside the box for a game in the Premier League for Stoke twice in a game. Interesting. Oh, it's a bit uh, random, isn't it? Any more you've got hidden up your yeah. sleeve there? OK. How much is Paul Pogba's agent set to be paid for negotiating his fee to United? A lot is my answer. Plenty of money. I think it's going to be in the region of... I mean, if he took a 10% fee, which I think mm. he'd probably take more, I'm going to say about £16 million. It's £24 million. <gasps> pounds. He, wouldn't, he doesn't even need to be an agent after that. Just take the money, give up the job, have a nice life. We're in the wrong business. Well, what is the incentive then when you're earning all these millions as an agent and you're making all these millions? I, it's just madness. It's absolute madness. We definitely need to set up an agency, offside rule agency, and we'll look after anyone and everyone. We'll take 10%. Even if it's 10% of a little £100, that's enough, isn't it? A couple of coffees. Well, you say that. I think I'd like the £24 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We can find the next Paul Pogba, please. That would be brilliant. Any more? Who sensationally didn't turn up to the La Liga Awards ceremony. This was just this week. It was a big ceremony to celebrate outstanding achievements, best manager. That was a bit of a hint. Well, Diego Simeone won it of Atletico Madrid. And he didn't turn up? He turned up. Luis Enrique... Oh, yes, I did read this. Luis Enrique didn't turn up, yeah. Well, he was actually completely snubbed for coach of the year, so the whole Barcelona team didn't turn up. Solidarity, they show their love, their manager, so much. He won the league, for goodness sake, and he wasn't even on the shortlist. Hi, I'm Matt Letizier, and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. Well, we hoped you liked our little quiz. You never know. You might be asked one of those in a in a pub quiz. Probably not. Probably not, Lindsay. We probably have to get a bit more creative. However, we're just, you know, we're just educating you on what's happened so far. If you didn't already know, I probably didn't know the answer to any of my questions apart from Ibrahimovic. Uh, but yeah, you're a lot better than me at quizzes, Lindsay, as we've discovered on many occasions. We're going to be going to the Opta quiz again soon, aren't we, I think? Well, I'm going to be away. Which is gutting because I really wanted to go back. And do you remember we were like 401 outsiders? They do this thing at the Opta Quiz mm-hmm. where they say all the teams and they give you like a, a brochure at the start and they yeah. give everybody odds. And because it was the first time we'd done it, we were like 401 outsiders. Yeah. And all we wanted was not to come last. And we didn't. Yeah, to become second yeah. last. <laughs> We did come second last. So there you go. We were far too busy having a chat, enjoying the food, drinking, just having a nice time. And there were all these, a few boffins there, just enjoying themselves, who who knew a lot more than us. There were people who were taking it deadly seriously. But what we did vow is that we'd take a few hardcore quizzes with us this time. So if in my absence, can you make sure you replace me with someone good enough to get us maybe top five? I'll find a stats man at Sky. You can maybe find one at the BBC, something like that. Now, still on the Halloween theme, who has been spooked 
in football. And Mourinho and Manchester United and that display, I mean, that was scary. Mourinho was spooked, as with his defence. Um, it was ghostly at times, invisible, you could say, at other times. Go on then, give us an example, Linz. So spooky goings on, spooky things. I'm going to let you go first because you've got a rant to have about Mourinho's counterpart in Manchester. Well, I think Pep Guardiola is a bit spooked about the Premier League. He's had a brilliant start to his City career. Of course he has. But he's now five games without a win, OK? He's having a bit of a wobble. I think he didn't quite realise how tough the opposition was when you look outside the top six. When you're playing games against Southampton, I think he had a bit of a fright. I think when you're playing teams like Burnley's, your West Broms, who are great from set pieces, he's going to be taught a lesson. I'm not saying they had any easy games to start with, but he went out there. His tactics are brilliant. He's using his squad well. He's rotating. He's got company back, although he needs to just pick up a bit of form. I think he's just having a little bit of a wobble because he doesn't quite realise the strength of the teams in the Premier League all of them I'm talking. You just have to look at, for example, Middlesbrough against Arsenal, the way that Middlesbrough actually dominated and had more chances, not in possession, but they had a lot more chances than Arsenal and really, really put up a fight. Well, the spookiness for for Guardiola might actually be tying in with Halloween onwards Mm. because he's not used to English winters. He's not used to this cluttered fixture period and exactly what you've mentioned is starting to fade away which is that new manager syndrome where your players are playing for you they want to impress but he's bedded in so he's actually going to have to keep these players fighting fighting for their places fighting for him and that is the true test so he could start to get very spooked come the end of the year Um, I'm going to go back in time for a couple of spooky goings on way back in time because it's not very often we go back in the football history books anymore we tend to keep things quite current and I, and I like to do it occasionally so I'm going to go back to 1998 and we're going to go over to South Africa a game between Morocco Swallows and Jumbo Cosmos and lightning struck in this match that's a pretty spooky going on when the players and the officials and the spectators are all running for cover because lightning is striking the pitch the game got abandoned I think a few players had to go to hospital or a few different people had to go to hospital so um, what the chances lightning striking in a football match pretty slim and 1962 I wonder whether your dad recalls this story um, and would would know it really well I'm sure he knows this player um, England playing Brazil okay. uh, World Cup in Chile and Jimmy Greaves there was, do you remember the black dog do you know about this the black oh. dog that ran on the pitch oh. and they had to entice him off and then he weed on his England shirt on Jimmy Greaves's England shirt that's pretty spooky goings on. Yeah. You, you're not expecting to go to a football no. match and come away with um, Dogwee on your top. No. No. Now, there's a player who played at Leeds United, made more than 500 appearances. Um, he was a number one keeper. Um, they were a really dominant side in the English domestic game. He was a little better known for his televised matches where he scored an own goal and let in a couple of howlers, but he was a legend uh, for Leeds United. There was a minute silence uh, before their game against Norwich. There was a minute silence beforehand. It finished 2-2. And the attendance was 22,222. And I just wonder if Gary Sprake is looking down having a bit of a laugh about this because he said the day that he becomes the number two for Leeds United will be the day that he leaves. He was always number one and left as number one. So I wonder if there was a little bit of something going on. And Leeds, of course, won the game on penalties. There you go. Isn't that nice? That is brilliant. Um, I used to have a hairdresser that was big on numbers. He'd love that. Speaking of hairdressers, what's a bit spooky? 
the hair in the Premier League right now. Conte, come yeah. on. Yeah. He keeps dyeing his hair. He's, he's dyeing his hair. We all know. Just just go grey. Be a Mourinho. Have a bit of salt and pepper like Pep. And uh, also, um, could be wearing a wig. No, he's wearing a weave. Slavin Bilic. He's rock and roll. He's hardcore. <laughs> he's had a thatch in his hair. He's got a little bit of grey around the edges where his kind of sideburns are. But the rest of it is dark. And it just it just doesn't suit him. Just go bold gracefully. Just be a tough nut on the sidelines. Slavin Bilic this week will just be happy that we're talking about his hair and nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that, that could be a good distraction for him. The female take on football. Well, it's been short and sweet, but thank you very much indeed for listening to the Offside Rule podcast and for downloading it. You can get plenty more from us. We have a great feed on Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod, uh, particularly over the weekends as well, where we react to everything that's been happening up and down the football leagues. And uh, go to our website as well. There's some great features. Uh, the Offside Rule Daily is up there as well. Plenty of brilliant contributors. So just go to www.theoffsiderulepodcast.com. And happy Halloween and you enjoy yourself and anyone um, on Instagram, keep an eye on Haley's page because you're going to get to see Britney Spears. It's not Britney at her best, it's probably (laughs) Britney at her worst, although maybe not quite at her worst, umbrella style attacking a car, but nearly as bad. But yeah, thank you very much indeed from myself, from Lindsay and the absent Kate. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.